If you have your Bibles, we're, we're going to be all over the place this morning, but we are going to start in Luke chapter 1. Um, as you're turning to Luke 1, and just be patient with me, we will get there. And don't worry, once we get to the scripture, there will be lots of it. Um, but I, I just want to start as you're turning there by just kind of asking this question. Is anybody here in the process of making some plans in your life right now? You're making plans. Maybe you're just planning for the next week. You're trying to get ahead and, and maybe be a little bit more organized. Or maybe you're already planning out the rest. Maybe you're really organized. You're already planning out the rest of your December uh, festivities, everything that's coming with this month, right? Um, you have to plan time to go Christmas shopping. You have to plan out a budget for gifts and groceries. You have to plan time to prepare all the meals, bake all the cookies, hit all the family gatherings. Uh, maybe you're already planning for the new you in the new year, right? Maybe you're already planning some resolutions uh, for 2023. Uh, maybe some of you really have it together and you're right now looking at your five-year or ten-year plan. I don't know what that looks like, but some of you are like uber organized and can do that, but, or, or maybe you're more like me and, and my family, and you're just trying to make sure all your kids get to every event they're supposed to be at, uh, tis the season. My kids are living their best life now, I can tell you that, and uh, I've become just an Uber driver for them, but it seems like we spend all of our time just trying to constantly plan who needs to be where, when, and who's going to pick them up, at what place, at what time, and, and sometimes we forget, and Thank God for cell phones, and we're reminded, hey, you're supposed to be here. We're like, oh, yeah, we're on our way. Uh, but, but the point is that even though we're all in different seasons of life, the one thing that we all have in common is that we're all making plans um, of some kind. We're all making plans of some kind. And one of the questions that I want us to kind of look at today is, what do we do when our plans get interrupted? When things don't go the way that we planned for them to go, because for every well-thought-out plan, there is a distraction or there is an interruption to mess up those plans. And what greater month to experience that than the month of December, right? Um, so what do we do when something unplanned messes up our plans? What are we supposed to do when our well-planned-out lives do get interrupted? We first started kind of looking at that question or asking that question a few months ago when we were studying Matthew chapter 9. Uh, as we read verse by verse through chapter 9, we quickly realized Jesus' ministry was just one big interruption. Do you remember that? Do you remember that sermon? Um, Jesus is, uh, let me just recap it real quick because I know you don't want to go one week without hearing from Matthew. Um, but Jesus is enjoying a dinner party at Matthew's house. He's surrounded by sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees show up, and they begin to interrupt the party with their self-righteous judgment and, and uh, their accusation against Jesus. And before long, here comes some of John the Baptist's disciples, and they show up. They interrupt Jesus with some questions about why you know, his disciples don't fast like John's disciples, and and as he's answering that question, there's this man named Jairus. Remember Jairus? He comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus, begging Jesus to come home with him and heal his dying daughter. And as Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to save, to heal his daughter, there's this woman that had this issue of blood. Remember that? For 12 years, she had went to all of these doctors, and the doctors had made her issue worse. 
And, uh, and she was just hoping that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and, and sure enough, she does. And so Jesus stops there to engage with her, and, and after that, Jesus heals her, and then after that, he goes on to Jairus' house, and there's a whole conversation there with people that are like, why, she's already, she did pass, there's no reason for you to be here, and you're like, get out of the room, and he raises Jairus' daughter to life, and so he heals her, and then, and then as he's leaving, these two blind men start following Jesus, and they're crying out, Lord, have mercy on us, and everywhere he goes, he, they just keep crying out, he goes into this house, and they follow him into the house, and he's like, fine, do you have faith that I can heal you? Yeah, and he heals them. And as they're leaving, this demon-possessed man is brought and thrown at the feet. This is all in Matthew 9, like one right after another. Um, and honestly, his whole ministry was like that, not just Matthew 9. It just be- we became aware of it because it was just one right after another. But Jesus' entire ministry was one big interruption. And the thing we talked about in Matthew 9 is that Jesus was totally okay with constant interruptions because it's why he came to dwell among us in fact i put this the truth is jesus was the interrupter not the interrupted we're going to see that in john 1 here at the end of the sermon you see the message of god's kingdom come is a message of God that loved us enough to step out of heaven to walk among us and to serve us and ultimately die for our sin-cursed lives, interrupting death and hell's plans over us. Christmas is ultimately a story of Jesus interrupting our lives for the good. Death and hell had plans to steal, kill, and destroy us. But Christmas is a story of God interrupting those plans to offer us eternal life through King Jesus. It's easy for us to romanticize Christmas because it's the most wonderful time of year, right? And it gives us all the feels when we're driving by and we see the pretty lights and there's all the festivities planned and it's easy for us to to read the Christmas story, read the beauty of the Christmas story because Christmas is necessary for the salvation of the world. But for those, here's where I want to talk for just a few minutes. For those who were experiencing that first Christmas, it wasn't so beautiful. And they certainly didn't feel like it was necessary. In fact, what I want us to see today is that for them... This very first Christmas and all of the events surrounding it was one big interruption to their lives. It was an unplanned moment in their planned out lives. They couldn't see it in real time, but their messed up plans was a holy interruption from heaven. I'm going to repeat that because it's such a powerful moment for us. They couldn't see it in real time, but their messed up plans was a holy interruption from heaven. And my goal is to show you from Scripture this morning that every interruption to our plans is also a holy interruption, even when it's impossible for us to see it in real time. So here's what I want to do. We're going to look, we're just going to jump right into three different uh, people's lives right here in the middle of the Christmas story. And I want us to recognize the interruption to their lives. I want us to see how they responded to the interruption. And then we will draw some conclusions 
for our own lives. The first story I want us to look at is the story of Mary, the very mother of Jesus. We can find this story in Luke chapter 1, and I want to pick it up starting in verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she was pregnant with John the Baptist, God sent an angel Gabriel of, or to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean by that. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now, again, it's easy for us to romanticize Mary's story. But for just a moment, let's put our own lives in her shoes. Let's put Mary's shoes on for a moment. You're young. You have your whole life before you. You're newly engaged. You're soon to be married to Joseph, the love of your life. You're planning your wedding. You're planning your future. And suddenly an angel shows up. And the angel's message is this. Hey, don't be afraid. Oh, by the way, you're pregnant. And it's God's. Now, how do you think that went over with Mary, number one? But how do you think that went over with Joseph? That went over about as good as it would if it was you put in that situation. What if your wife showed up saying, hey, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, I wasn't unfaithful. This is God's baby. You're like, all right, first of all, we need to take you to the mental hospital because you have lost your mind. But that's what's going on here. The angel tells Mary, Mary goes, hey, I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? Don't worry, God's going to give you this baby. Wow. So how do we think that went over with Joseph? Well, let's see. This is our second story I want us to look at. You can find this story in Matthew chapter 1. In, starting in verse 18, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Hey, translation, he wasn't buying the story. But he's a noble man. He loved Mary. He's hurt. He's hurt by her betrayal, but he still loves her because it says this. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. He didn't want to, listen, this would bring great shame to Mary's life. Oh my, are you kidding me? In Jewish, I mean, today it's probably no big deal in America, but in Jewish customs here, this would have been the end of her reputation. I mean, her life was over. She became pregnant 
out of marriage. She cheated on her fiance or her husband, Joseph. So Joseph, in his love for her, is like, I don't, I got to figure out how to put her away without causing all of this public shame to her life. And as he was considering this, verse 20 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So talk about an interruption, right? Again, we just put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for a moment. The, there's the hope of marriage. There's the hope of starting a family. This was, this was a Jewish man. This is what life was all about. Good family, good job, um, have a reputation in the community. And then you get word that you're supposedly still virgin. Fiance is pregnant. And he wasn't buying it. He wasn't buying that. Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit because that's not how it works. They didn't have a reference here. It had never happened before. It hasn't happened since. Pregnant wife means an unfaithful wife. And for just a moment, Joseph's future, put yourself in his shoes. Just for just a moment, his future was shattered. His life was broken. Everything that he had hoped for was taken from him because of his unfaithful spouse before the angel came and confirmed the story that Mary had told him. And then I want to look at one third story, a, a third story. This is the story of the shepherds. It's found in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look more into their story in two weeks. But I just want to look at, starting in verse 8, about four, three or four verses here. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, That night, so this was... Jesus was being born, and they were in Bethlehem, and it says that the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So here's the picture. The shepherds are doing what shepherds do. They're shepherding, right? They're doing their jobs in the field, keeping watch over their flocks with no idea that their lives are about to forever change. Because the radiance of the Lord's glory changes you. Heaven's choir putting on a private concert for you changes things. And they got to experience that. But that's what interruptions do, right? They change things. They change our plans. They change our lives. And all of us would look at these Christmas interruptions, and here's what we would conclude. But they were good interruptions. And we would agree that's true. These were good interruptions. But Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds couldn't see that they were good interruptions in the moment. Do you see that? We look back and go, well, but these, were, these don't compare to my interruptions. These were good interruptions. And again, we agree. But 
They didn't see it as a good interruption. This was not what they had planned for their lives. How do we know that? Did you notice that in all three stories, there is a common command given by the angel? What is that command? Do not be afraid. Why? Because interruptions to our lives naturally produces fear. It terrifies us to acknowledge that we are not essentially in control of our lives. And the unknown or the uncontrollable scares us to death. We struggle to see the good in our unplanned moments, but we too have a promise that we must hold to. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We are told over and over through the scriptures, do not worry, do not fear, do not fret, do not be anxious, because our God is sovereign, and he is in control, and he is working all things together, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the broken, for our ultimate good, even if we don't see it. It is for our ultimate good and God's ultimate glory. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God does not give us a spirit of fear. So the presence of fear in our lives reveals the absence of God's power in our lives. Unplanned moments reveal our vulnerability. And we don't like that. Our unplanned moments are God-planned moments for holy opportunities. That's what we talked about in Matthew chapter 9. Our unplanned moments are God-planned moments for holy opportunities. And when we understand that, then we can see that every interruption can be a holy interruption. In fact, I would go on and say this. For every Christian, every interruption is a holy interruption interruption. And we can trust that God will use it for, again, our own good and his own glory, even when we can't see the good, when we can't feel the goodness. It's still God at work. Can I encourage you with some passages about God's, about our plans and God's purposes? In James chapter 4, This is James talking to the church. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there a year and we're going to do business there and we're going to make profit there. And then James says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, verse 16, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Every moment, whether planned or not, is God's moment gifted to us. May we not forget he gives and he takes away as he chooses. So may we always saturate our plans in his sovereign will. I want to say this a few times as I'm, I'm landing this plane this morning. There is nothing wrong with making plans. In fact, there are several times in the scriptures that we're told it's wise 
to make plans. Nothing wrong with making plans as long as you understand that God's plans trump our plans. May we not forget that he gives and takes away as he chooses, so may we always saturate our plans in his sovereign will. If it be your will, Lord, may our plans come to pass. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, it says this, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. It should make it easier for us to remember that our lives belong to the Lord. He made us and he bought us so he can do with us as he chooses. In Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. What if daily we started our day by surrendering our plans to the Lord? Not my will, not my plans be done, but yours, Lord. Proverbs 19.21, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Again, nothing wrong with making plans as long as we remember that God's plans will always prevail over our plans. And then my favorite verse for this morning, Proverbs 16.9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. When our steps, this, this is going to be some really good advice for us as we enter the Christmas season. When our steps seem out of order and life gets chaotic and life gets unpredictable, may we remember that our steps are still being ordered by the Lord. No matter how frustrating or how confusing your steps seem, they are still directed by the Lord. Mary and Joseph's life was turned upside down, but God was at work directing their steps. We see that now. They didn't see that then. The shepherd's evening was drastically different than they had assumed it would be, but it was the Lord directing their steps. Whatever unplanned circumstances you find yourself in, the Lord is directing your steps. Trust God, even in the unplanned moments, because he is still at work in the interruptions. We know this passage of scripture. It's not known as a Christmas passage, but this is how John starts his gospel. John 1.1, he says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, praise God. Verse 9, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So this is John's part of the Christmas story. The light was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. The one thing that we should be concerned about as sons and daughters of God is 
that God is at work in our interruptions and we either don't recognize him or we reject him in the midst of those interruptions. You know what that looks like? That looks like us losing our minds when unplanned things happen in our well-planned out lives. So what are we to do? Well, I'm going to give us some homework. And this is going to be very beneficial to our hearts, not just through the Christmas season, but as we move forward as a church. Let me give you four things real quick that I would like us to do together as a church this week. Number one, I would like us to memorize Proverbs 16.9 together this week. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Let me make you a promise. If you will take the time to memorize that verse right there, there is going to become a, there's, there, there will be a time this week that something unplanned interrupts your plans and the Spirit of God will bring Proverbs 16, 9 to mind. And in that moment, you can go from on the, just the cuff of freaking out to go, oh yeah, we've made our plans. But it's the Lord that directs our steps. So I want us to memorize that. I want us to meditate on that verse this week. And I promise you, if you do that, in your moment of unplanned whatever it is that happens in your very well-planned out week or month or year, the Spirit of God will use this to encourage you and remind you that you're right where he wants you to be. The second thing is this. I'd like us to start each day this week, perhaps even before you get out of bed, by surrendering your plans to the Lord. Every day you're going to wake up and there's going to be a lot of things that you have to do. You're going to have a list, a to-do list, that you're going to have to finish. And I'm just encouraging us before we even put our feet to the ground to begin the checking off of the to-do list that we just say, God, my plans today, I surrender them to you. It's okay to have plans, but, but making Jesus Lord of our lives means that we've given even our most well-planned out moments to God, and we ask him, we ask that his will be done above our own. And so, wake up thinking about your plans, but surrender your plans to Jesus. Number three, let's pray that God will help us recognize where he is at work in the interruptions around us this week. The last time I preached on interruptions, there was a lot of feedback over the next week or two about, hey, I recognize that there was this moment, there was this interruption. And I'm just telling you, um, they're all around us every day. We're interrupted. You're going to have a way that you think your Monday's going to go, and it's not going to always go as you planned it to go. And in those moments, I wanted you to understand, oh, this is an interruption. This is, this is that unplanned moment. And I just want you to take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me recognize where you're at work, what you're doing here? How did I end up in this place? This is not where I was supposed to be today. This is not the conversation I planned on having today. Where are you at work? Help me recognize it. May I not reject what you are doing in this moment. And number four, receive the interruption 
as the Lord's plan and rest in his presence and power. Do not be afraid. I wrote this this morning as I was finishing up. I just said, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, and he holds us. And that encouraged me this morning. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, and he holds us. Whatever interruption is waiting for you tomorrow, it will not be an interruption to him. It is a divine appointment that he has already established. It will not catch him off guard. And it won't catch you off guard either if you realize and recognize that God works in the interruptions. They might not have been planned on our, well, we don't have planners anymore, do we? Remember that? Like years ago, people literally carry around books that had planned. Uh, I'm getting, there's probably some of you that still do that. They have apps for that now, okay? I, I assure you, there's probably going to be some things that happen today, tomorrow, this week, this month that's not in your planner. But everything that happens was on God's planner. Nothing catches him off guard. And so I want to end our time this morning by welcome, uh, like inviting us to the Lord's table. We're going to take communion together. And here's what I want us to do as we're taking communion. Jesus is our Redeemer. And our Redeemer not only came to dwell among us, but now he dwells within us. And he, as, he is at work redeeming every moment of our lives, even the unplanned moments. He is redeeming. So we are going to take of this bread, his broken body, and we're going to take of the Jews, his blood shed for us. And we are going to consume it as a family this morning. And we're going to leave here reminded that the sovereign Lord of every moment is at work within us. I love the story of the Passover when they, when they ate, right? Remember the, the first Passover? If you were here for the story midweek, you understood what that was going on. The death angel and so many people died and... And yet God protected those who put the blood over the door and, and they were to eat of that meal that night. And then, and then they got to leave Egypt. Pharaoh finally said, yeah, get out of here. And they left. And as they were leaving Egypt, they were leaving with, with that meal within them. And it's a beautiful picture of the church today that as we leave here, we are leaving with the spirit of God living within us. And so as we take of broken body in the shed blood of Jesus. We're being reminded that we do not leave here alone. The sovereign Lord of every moment is at work within us, and greater is he that is in us than any interruption that we will face this week. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. We're thankful for the bloodshed on our behalf. We're thankful for the cross. God, you died and you arose again to give us victory over sin and death. May we not leave here today as defeated children. God, we are victorious. 
God, may we not allow interruptions to ruin our lives. These are moments that you have given for your glory to be shown. And so even though we might not see it in real time, God, this is for our good. And so may we recognize where you're at work and be reminded that greater is he that is in us than anything that we will face this week. God, I pray that you would encourage us as we end our time with communion and worship. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.